We are in John 14. This will be the longest treatise from Jesus, and it's not a sermon. <clears throat> it's a discussion with his disciples. They have just are, are beginning to understand just a bit about what's going to happen. Remember in chapter 13, we've done the someone is going to betray me uh, scenes. They still don't quite get it. Besides, if they got it suddenly, how terrifying would that be? All of their hope is in this guy, and now he says, I'm going to die. That would be a bit much. So they're, they're learning from him what's going to happen next. Take a look. We're going to read uh, chapter 14, 9 through 14. We've already looked at this, but we're just, this is the way to run and jump into 15. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do, all the work, do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And we discussed that that was not a carte blanche for them to do whatever they wanted to, whatever they wanted to. They had to be able to do it in the name of, or in other words, by the authority of, Jesus Christ. One thing I wanted to say before we go into the next bit. That concept, if you can see God in me, uh, Jesus says. Paul uses something like that when he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Remember that? You need to know that I see God in you. Uh, there are times, I've said this before, where I've hit a little wilderness patch. Normally they're, they're short, and, but sometimes they can last a bit. And I just stop for a moment and listen to you sing. And you bring me back. It's not instant. It's not like magic. But I see God also as I was, I like to walk around and just kind of look and see you guys and not interact with anybody. Uh, but, as, but the stories that are in this room, you know, there's Grace Works in this room. There's Franktown Open Hearts in this room. There's Rocket Town. There's... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, Habitat uh, for Humanity. There's all of these things you're doing as the hands and feet and eyes and heart of God. I think we often don't avail ourselves of the blessing of seeing God in each other and seeing Jesus in each other, the reflection of God in our hearts that comes out. I, I, I find it's, it's always a bit of a surprise to me um, especially, we lived in Colorado. Colorado is a stunningly beautiful state. Well, the eastern half. Uh, sorry, western half. Eastern half should really be given to Kansas. That's where it belongs. There's nothing there. But from the, the center west, it's just it's stunningly beautiful. And we lived at 6,700 feet, and our backyard was the view of Pikes Peak. That's what we saw. 
You know, our road ended at the Garden of the Gods. Google that. It's amazing. Well, as we would, every night, it seemed God would put on a show. Just light and spark. And everybody would, in our church would post Facebook pictures of sunsets. They probably did of sunrises as well, but I wasn't awake then. Uh, they always said, oh, the sunrise is beautiful. I said, you know, I can, I can video a sunset and run it backwards if I want to see that. But it, there, it's just beautiful. Why is it so easy to see God in refracted, refracted light through dust and not in his people? I think we should notice God in each other more often. God at work through our kindness, our acts of love. Just a commercial. We need to get to verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. How many times has that been used as a cudgel to beat you about the head and shoulders? And yet, whenever I ask people to define those commands, they run elsewhere in Scripture. I say, no, no. What commands would Jesus be referring to? What were his commands? His commands were love God, love each other. We pretty much run out about there. You know, his example about giving and sharing and loving and all, yeah, we get that. But the commands are very, very few. He says the greatest is love God with all your heart. And very much like it, he says, love each other as yourselves. And by the way, I bring this up a lot because we need to apply the corrective. All my life I saw joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Did you ever see that? Don't. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, love each other as yourself. You don't have to demean yourself. You don't have to put yourself down. Sometimes, when somebody comes up to you and says, that's a lovely dress, you ought to say, it is, isn't it? I enjoy it too. Instead of saying, oh, really, this old thing, and your husband's thinking, what? That, you just bought that. It costs money. Or uh, guys don't normally do that. You know, we're on the golf course. Somebody hits a great drive. We don't go, oh, that's a great drive. And he goes, oh, not really. I'm sorry. It's, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Top that, buddy. I, I tweeted last week, and it ended up being one of my, my most popular tweets. And I'm on two minds about that. But uh, I'm two minds about a lot of things. They argue frequently. Um, I said, I preached on humility today. It wasn't true. I just thought of a funny line. Preached on humility today. Nailed it. Probably should have not done the mic drop. That went everywhere. Sometimes we feel like we've got to beat ourselves up and not take a compliment. Jesus didn't tell you to do that. If you did something good, say thank you. You know, I appreciate that. But love others in the same way that you love yourself. Take care of yourself. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. It'd be great if uh, Patsy were in better health and Albert could have stayed, because it would be great to bounce these things off Albert. Albert loves the Holy Spirit and speaks to the Holy Spirit constantly. And I think you can see the Holy Spirit in Albert, can you not? If you're around him at all, you can see the Holy Spirit just shining through him and through Patsy. Uh, Patsy's the one that grounds Albert. I tell Albert, he would be like a balloon floating in the wind. And Patsy has a hold of the string. She's she's a brilliant, brilliant help me. If you love me, keep my commands. But I'm going to give you some help. I'm going to give you somebody to be with you all the time, forever. 
the spirit of truth. Now, notice this. We mentioned this last week. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Paul uses a phrase that I don't think we quite get. He says, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the spirit. When that was used as I was growing up, that was used, that was said, don't drink. That's what he's talking about. He's saying, you know, don't be a drunk. He's saying, let your behavior, when you're filled by the Spirit, be as strange to the outsider as a drunk's behavior is strange to a non-drunk. All right? Not to his fellow drunks in a bar that they think he's brilliant. Out there. If a, guy, if a boy gets up at 4.30 in the morning to deliver newspapers, we say, he's a real go-getter. That guy's going somewhere. But if that same boy gets up at 4.30 in the morning to pray before going to school, we say, ooh, that seems a bit odd, doesn't it? That's, uh, I think you're going a bit to extremes here. The world thinks you're kind of crazy for sitting in this room on a pretty day. Probably the last pretty day you're going to get in, what, three, four months? I, it seems like it's going to rain and rain and rain. Uh, no more praying for rain. Stop it. It looks weird to them. And Paul says, be weird. Fill with the Spirit. Be weird. The world says, if you're a different race, different politics, different um, socioeconomic status, different nation, hate them. Look down on them. It seems crazy to love everybody. I, uh, and I posted this yesterday. We, we did go to a movie. We were kind of forced into it, but my, my daughter kept pushing. I hate musicals. I just do. If that makes you think less of me, no, still don't care. Uh, I, 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 um, I hate musicals. Um, always, always have. Fiddler on the Roof got through that one, and that was fine. But I've been drugged to many others and sat there thinking, please, God, kill somebody. Uh, just, and, and I volunteer. I'll go. But we, uh, so many Christians said, you need to go see The Greatest Showman. And we did. And it was beautiful. It was great. Stunning. It was. The messages, all of the songs had uplifting, serious, big messages. I don't, I, I need to say this, I don't know anything about the real Phineas T. Barnum. I don't know anything about him. This might, this might be in the complete whitewash of his character. Don't care. I can see this as an isolated story and appreciate the story. Right? That said, one of the main things he did was bring the unseeable out of the shadows. Yes, he made money off of them. No question. But they also made money. Uh, I, I do know of a few of those. I've read their books, actually. They wrote books where they talked about how they were set up and better off than their neighbors because they were paid. But the, one of the things in the movie is he brought them out so they could be like the others. They were no longer hidden. And that seemed crazy to the point where there were riots against him. These people, and there, I do remember this, um, and again, don't know anything about his true character, but the time period of history where churches denounced the circus because these were examples uh, not of God's handiwork, but of the devil messing up human beings. Isn't that odd now to us to think of this? 
By the way, somebody asked me, why don't we have that many people like that now? And the answer is medication and genetic studies, telling some families don't have kids. But medications, mainly, have, have fixed a lot of this. God says, be crazy. Put your arms around the people nobody else will. Be crazy. Love others. Be crazy. Fill yourself with the spirit, the spirit of truth, and the world is not going to get it. But just keep going. I love verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. Okay, now on that one, I, I see, I hear something different. Jesus says, because I live, you live. I don't think they understood this at the point. I think Paul starts to understand it later. He wasn't present here. When he says, in him, not only did he create all things, in him all things hold together. Most of your versions will say, in him all things consist. I've said this before. I'll just be very brief with it. Physics is a, is a lot of fun. It really is. It doesn't settle much, but it's a lot of fun. And one of the biggest problems in the universe right now is there's not enough mass. There should be more mass because you need more gravity than we've got right now because we don't have enough gravity to keep us from flinging into space. Not human beings off the ball, but rather the Milky Way flinging apart. The, um, our, our solar system flinging apart. That would come after the Milky Way. There's a whiplash effect, but point is, there's not enough mass. What's holding everything together? I've had people talk about the miracle of birth, and I understand what they mean. And I think there is a miracle, but I have a different take. I don't think a baby being born is the miracle. There's sperm and egg, and I understand how that works. But somewhere in that journey, God breathes in a soul, and that's a miracle. And they're all different. This afternoon, I will be probably all day. The reason is if they win a game, they play another game. And in their wisdom, they, the people that put together these citywide tournaments put them hours apart. So we'll be sitting around looking at each other. My grandson, who's eight, is a, is a phenom at basketball. Now, everybody thinks their grandsons are the best, but we're right. And he, he'd won, he played on two teams coming through the fall, won the championship on both of them, not just him, the teams did, undefeated. Now my son-in-law's put him into this big city-wide thing, and they kept winning this weekend, so they're going to play at 1 o'clock today, and if they win, play for the championship at 5. Last year they lost the championship because he broke his arm during it and wouldn't leave the court. He was crying and kept trying to shoot a foul shot and go thump, and we're going, what's wrong with him? Found out later, arm was broken. Well, as I'm watching them yesterday, my six-year-old grandson is doing comedy bets. Gets it from Cammy's side of the family. <laughs> Every time there's a pause in the, in the show there, the, the game, he runs down on, the, on you know, the edge there of the and starts doing stuff, and I'm going, I didn't go get him because I was otherwise engaged. My, my almost three-year-old grandson was attacking me constantly, making chicken noises because evidently he thinks chickens attack people. And I'm thinking, we got three different guys right here. 
God breathed in something different in every one of these. Oh, yeah, I, Cammie took a video of him going, rah, rah, and just, just, I was trying to take pictures, and I, um, all my pictures are like this. Um, my point is, the Spirit comes to us when we're born. God is still at work. He is holding us together because he lives, we live. Verse 20, on that day you realize that I'm in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. I don't know what day he's talking about, but he does say when I come back, I do not know if that means when he comes back from the dead or when he comes back at the end of all time. Uh, So if you have that question, the answer is I don't know. And I'm not sure anybody really knows. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. May I give you a little comfort on the day? Um... At least two of you, I don't know if you're in the room or not because I haven't really surveyed the room that much, um, have emailed me concerns about your own life and situation. A couple of you have caught me in the hallways, and it seems like the devil is trying to convince quite a few of you that you're not up to par, that you're a sinner, and you're in trouble, and while, you're in, while this church is a great church, you're just, you may not be as good as you should be. The devil is a slanderer. That's what he does. You are not saved because you are good. You are saved because he is. You are saved by a relationship, not by precision obedience or even precision understanding of Scripture. You are saved by a person, Jesus Christ. He says, you love me, you love each other. He doesn't give us a whole lot of roadmaps here because it's going to look different for different people. When Cammie is sick, love means take care of me. When I'm sick, love means don't come in the room. If I get sick and colds and allergies are my krypton, pretty much I'm put into the bonus room and Cammie every so often throws in some raw meat, but that's it. I don't want, I don't want to talk to her or anything. I will, if I come out, I'm well. If I don't come out, seal the room. Love looks different. So it's going to look different. It's going to feel different the way you do it. But I want you to remember the message of Romans. It's the whole book. You were a mess and awful, and Jesus died for you and loved you and saved you. And it keeps saying, if he saved you then, why do you think he's going to leave you now? Isn't that beautiful? And we miss that because mainly preachers. No wonder I have the only job that comes with a warning label written by God. Don't many of you be teachers. You will receive the greater condemnation. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Let's, um, the one who loves me will live with the Father, I'll show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot. (laughs) That was probably added by a scribe later, by the way. Said, but Lord... Why do you intend to show us to yourself to us and not to the world? That's, an, that's a good question. Isn't that what the devil was offering to do for Jesus? I'll show you to the world. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. 
In other words, I'm going to show myself to the world through love. One person infecting another person with love. Infecting another person with love. That's the way this works. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Easy to sort. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. In other words, I'm passing on, pass it on. You've, um, you've heard the expression, pay it forward, right? And how many of you, I don't know how many of you have experienced it, but I hear these stories all the time of somebody coming up to a toll on, the inter- on one of the turnpikes only to be told the person in front paid for you. Or go up to a Starbucks and told the person in front paid for you. Um, that's pretty cool, isn't it? And a lot of people then, they, they'll say, well, then I'm going to pay for the next person. And I always wonder, how long does this go before somebody goes, cool, and just drives on? <laughs> Probably Scottish, you know, if, if, if I had to hazard a guess. Are you going to pass on what God has given you? You've heard me say before, be as patient with other people as God has been with you. I hesitate to go further than that because that's quite a burden to put on people, isn't it? But let me put another burden on and try to be as gracious to people, actively gracious as God has been to you. Last night we were tired. We, we went to a movie because we had that space in between uh, the games. I started off yesterday morning very early uh, left the house about 7.15 to go visit with uh, a couple of other churches in our uh, city who would like to be more like 4th Avenue. And so they wondered, how did you guys do this? And how did you teach this? And Phil Williams was with me, one of the shepherds. It was, just, it was a very rich time, a couple of hours with them, and then went from there to ball games, so then to movie, then we have to eat out because you can't get back. And at the end of the day, my wife and I looked at each other, we're worn out, but thinking, what a blessing that we get to live this life. So we talked to God about that and said, how can we bless other people the way you've blessed us today? And we're still working on that, trying to figure out, okay, if we're in this position, we have to be in this position to help people. How can we help more people? We're working on that. It's an infection one at a time. But I frustrate churches, and I don't mean to. I frustrated two weeks ago in Oklahoma with churches, last week in Texas with churches, this week with churches in Nashville, when they ask us about, now what's the rollout and what programs do you do? And, what's your, and I look at them and go, I don't have a program. And I'll go, but, but you guys have grown. Yeah. How, you know, what program did you <laughs> Well, who's in charge of your evangelism? Mm, no. They thought... Fourth Avenue adopted instruments as a way to get more people to come here. I went, no. They said, well, then how'd you do it? And I said, I wasn't here when it first got started. Um, you know, I could be arrogant and say, but I did it right. But, you know, you know <laughs> Phil was there. I couldn't lie. <laughs> he, he, he's been here since Noah. So I, I had to be very careful. I said, it grows out of our identity. We are a free people in Christ full of love and grace. And that's why women's voices are welcome here. That's why children can serve here. That's why we don't look at each other. You'll never hear me condemning one other church. Our identity, we're Fourth Avenue. We're a loving church. 
It's who we are. And it grew out of that. Not one of the churches I've talked to over the last three weeks has been happy with that response. They want program. And they always think I've got one, but I'm se- it's secret. I won't share it. Love one person at a time. Keep on loving. He, he reminds them, he's leaving, but somebody's coming. All this I've spoken while I was with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. We'll stop again. I know the paragraph doesn't stop, but remember it wasn't written in paragraphs. Does anybody know the, uh, the Greek word for the Holy Spirit in this passage? You should know. Did you? Were you mouthing it? Uh, okay. Paraclete. Do you remember paraclete? And what does paraclete mean? Exactly. The one who comes alongside. He walks with you. Now, he will talk about helping you carry your burden, but he doesn't say anything about removing the burden. He's just going to be with you. Wilderness, mountaintop. He's going to be with you. I, um, I can still remember. I'd been ill off and on for quite some time when I first came to America. And finally, I found a doctor who's just brilliant. He was our hero. He found a tumor in here. This is back in, uh, around 1989 that had eaten part of this bone and, and the like. It wasn't a cancerous tumor, but it didn't matter. It was, it was poisoning me and causing real issues. So he said, we got to get this out. So they sent me to the hospital. I'm laying there on the gurney. That's what you, you call them gurneys too, right? Okay, the cart, trolley. Um, and so I'm, I'm laying there. Nurse comes, takes my blood pressure and frowns, and she takes it again, and she frowns, and she starts taking it again. I know what the problem is. In our family, we have genetically very, very low blood pressure until we hit about my age, and then it goes out the top like a thermometer put on a stove. It just, a switch is blown, and then we're blown. Um, but she said, do you know why your blood pressure would be 92 over 58? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm all worked up right now. And she laughed a little, and she said, how can you be making jokes at a time like this? And I, I did bring up it wasn't malignant, didn't I? Sometimes I forget. And people think, oh, is it? no, not going to come back as well, they don't think. And hasn't so far, so I'm assuming that's true. Uh, I said, because no matter how, what happens, I win, because I know who's telling the story. And I talked about my dad, and my dad would tell us terrifying stories. Every, he made them up. They weren't out of books. He would come in, he'd disguised by putting a flashlight right there. You know, that look, and you go, who's this person? Big hairy arm comes, turns the lights off, and my sisters and I would all run, jump in the same bed, and he'd say, once upon a time, there's these two wee girls and a little boy, and we're going, that could be us. You know, and it starts from there, and it's, it's very terrifying. But we always knew, no matter how scary it got, that eventually we were going to turn around and slap the monster or do something to win, because we knew who was telling the story. So I talked to her about that, and she just nodded a bit. Well, a year later, they had to go back in to do some repair. You have to let it heal and fix up. So went back in. I'm laying on the cart. Same nurse comes, takes my blood pressure, frowns, then looks at me, and she goes, it's you. <laughs> I went, yeah. And I talked to her again about the story, and she said, one of these days, I'd, I'll, I'll let you tell me that story. I never got, a good preacher story would have ended better. Never got to see her again. 
but she was infected by the story. Something in her, somebody else will tell her the story. We just spread it a person at a time. That's all. That's the program. And has it worked? Yeah. Christians all over the place. This one's going to walk with you. He will teach you all things. I like that about the the Great Commission as well. Teach them to follow me, baptize them, and then teach them all things. We're always going to be learning. Always going to be learning and growing. And the Holy Spirit will teach us. Holy Spirit's not retired. He's still working with us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. The most often given command to Jesus was fear not. The most often opening phrase of angels is don't be afraid. God's on your side. Why is it we're always afraid he isn't in this or that situation? No, he's rooting for you. Hebrews, in fact, says they're all up there, this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. You're not alone. Make them cheer. Is your, is your hand going up or you didn't? Okay. Because you're allowed to talk back. Um, you can even disagree with me. You'd, you'd be so terribly wrong and I would cry. And No, no. You're, I have been wrong before. I'm quite good at it. I'm very skilled. In what ways is the peace that Jesus leaves with us not the way that the world does? Well, how much more would you need to have in savings to feel safe? How much more would you need to have in a checking account to feel, I'm good? Because the world's trying to scare you, right? It'll either say, uh, your money's not going to be there, you're going to live too long, or it'll even tell you, your money's no good anyway, you've got to get gold, no, maybe silver. Or it'll tell you, you might die before you get to spend your money, so take this drug. It's all about keeping you afraid. Jesus says, I'll give you peace. One of the famous paintings of all times, and you've all seen so many copies of it, the older bearded man at a simple table with a little bit of bread, a little bit of fruit, hands in prayer. Now, why is that so popular? Because that's what we want. We want to be peace at peace with whatever God gives us. We want to be grateful with whatever God gives us. So I would submit to you that you might need to turn down the media. Because the media can't let you be at peace. When was the last time you saw a car commercial that said, your car is probably quite fine. Um, we, we don't want you to go into debt or anything. But if it's falling apart and you need some, we, we happen to have some here. They don't do that, do they? At all. I rent cars a lot, so I'm flying about. I don't like a lot of the new improvements they've made. Like the uh, cruise control that uses radar. Some of you have that. So I'm, I'm, I want to choose how fast I'm going. And all of a sudden, because a truck pulls out 100 yards ahead, I find my car slowing down. I'm going, no, no, I can take him. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to see Jesus. Let's do this. Curb, let's go. You know, I, I, don't, I say that inside. I don't do it outside. Cammy has one. She's silenced most of the alarms because, you know, there's somebody in your blind spot. I'm not going there. It's all right. Leave me alone. There's somebody to your left. 
there's, there are other lanes, we assume this. We might sometimes actually turn our head 10 degrees and see. The world wants you to be terrified. You need all this stuff. Then you need all these vitamins. And, and did you know there's a protein originally found in a jellyfish you might need to not have Alzheimer's? People, that will never cross the brain-blood barrier. You're buying it. It's a beautiful protein for jellyfish. I am pro that protein in jellyfish. Please allow them to keep it. It doesn't help you. Do you remember when it was uh, guarana, and then it was another thing, and then it was another thing? Remember oat bran? It was that as well. They will always keep you chasing, or you can be at peace. <laughs> My parents asked him, I said, now, there are all these fast food restaurants and all these other things. What would you like me to bring you down? And my mom said, Bojangles chicken. Well, I had not been at a Bojangles since I left South Carolina. If you don't know what Bojangles is, they fry chicken within an inch of its life. It is, it is well and truly dead. No resurrection day is bringing this chicken back. Okay. So I bring it out, and I open up the box, and it is... I'm, it is hard with the, the covering and the coat and, and, and the grease falling off of it and sitting there. And then there are the mashed potatoes and the gravy. They wanted the gravy. There's the gravy there. And they wanted a side of uh, mac and cheese. So I, I got them the mac and cheese. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I'll inherit something. Let's go. You know, so I, there. And then my father asked God to bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. And I'm thinking, well, that would be a miracle. I'd like to watch that one. <laughs> If, if you don't mind, I'm going to keep my eyes open because I'd like to see that, actually. Oh, my goodness. And yet we survive. In Scotland, it was always an amazing thing to Cammy and I to watch. These little kids would stop at the shops. We lived over a shop for a while, and so they'd come in there as well and buy the worst candies in the world. Do you remember Pixie Sticks? Diabetes in the tube? They, they buy all this stuff. And they're putting it down, and I, and I look at her, and I said, and the amazing thing is, they will be back tomorrow alive. How amazing are we made? Fear not. It's going to be okay. Jesus is with you. I just love, and fear not. You've heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'd be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I I want to tell you something right now. The folk in Appalachia get this. At Appalachian funerals, they will talk about how they beat us home. They beat us to glory. They are in the arms. And, and I mean, they are, I don't know if other subgroups do this or not, but I go to a funeral in Appalachia, I know it's going to be assumed the winner's in the box. Right? Sometimes we need to have the faith of simple folk. We need to bring, it, bring us back to that simple faith. Jesus is saying, you ought to be happy. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe. I will not say much more to you, for, and here he is, the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let's leave. It's another way of saying, let's roll. Let's go. He's, he's going to keep talking to them as they're moving. He's got two more chapters of talking to them as they're moving. But I want you to think about this kind of, this whole thing we're looking at. 
What does he call the devil here? Prince of this world. Did you notice? Got a cough drop. When it ends, I know the class is over. I timed them for 40 minutes. One time, sadly, I put a button in. We were there for hours. The, um, uh, it's a lie. It's just funny. Uh, anyway, I thought it was funny. If you didn't think it was funny, you're wrong church. Um, do you remember in the, the story of the temptation? He was able to make all the kingdoms of the world appear in front of Jesus. And he said, these are all mine. And I can give them to you. I can remember when I was a boy, a, a Bible class teacher saying, now they, they weren't really his. He just claimed they were I think she was an honest and sweet woman, and God bless her for volunteering to teach us Bible school. But she was wrong on that one. No, they belong to him. That's why we sing, this world is not my home. Oh, I got to tell you this. Lipscomb did it to me again. A couple years ago, I saw the thing was Joshua. Ooh, remember, I was going, ooh, I don't want to talk about Joshua. And they called me like three weeks before, and they said, oh, good news, we'd like for you to speak. I said, on what? They said, Rahab. I went, oh, man. Spies go into a town. Next scene, they're in a prostitute's house. Where's the decision tree for this one? Um, and she's, they say, if you lie, God will bless you. And so she lies and God does. Mm, thanks. Appreciate that. They said, you got 27 minutes. And you have to stay on schedule because of <laughs> Okay. This week, I got my message. Finally, I've been asking for like months because the guy there, uh, who organizes it, said last year, we want you there, so I booked it. He said, Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 4. That sounds so innocuous, because you don't know Deuteronomy 4. They're saying, being the nation of God among the nations of people. And I'm going, what? And it's about, my topic is on how to be a Christian in a world of politics. They said, we thought you were uniquely placed here, and I think what that means is there's only one person who can be deported uh, that we can think of, and I can't be deported. I was born here, but everybody forgets that, so um, I'm going, okay, thanks, but this world is not our home. He keeps telling us that, and for some reason, we keep thinking that the devil doesn't own all this stuff. He doesn't own all of it. He, He owns it. He doesn't get to keep it, though. Jesus will take it back. There will be a renewal. It's up to him to do it. But he says, watch out. But I'm not afraid. Don't you be afraid. And again, don't be afraid of the devil. Just know he's there. I lock our doors at night. Actually, Cammie does. She's very um, meticulous on, on her routine. It's, it's like in most houses. We'll think, oh, it's the time to go to bed. You know, three minutes later, I'm in bed. She's got another half hour of things to do around the house before she gets there. And I'm going, what? You know, it's, you know how that works. Women always work. She locks the doors. I lock the doors. But we don't go to bed thinking, oh, what if somebody comes in? No, we take precautions. We live our life, right? I'll never forget the lady when we were up in, in Michigan who, was, who came in and asked me, she said, I'd like for you to talk to my teenage daughter. And, and advise her not to go on a mission trip to Kenya. I said, you're asking me to ask her not to go? She goes, yes, yes. And I said, why? 
She goes, it's, it's dangerous over there. I said, you, you live in Detroit. <laughs> Pretty sure that's Kenya's where people go to relax uh, if they live in Detroit. Uh, anyway, we tend to be so afraid and so, don't, don't, don't. Be aware of the dangers, walk on, let's roll. We've got only two minutes here. He's going to start with a vine and a garden thing. And by the way, one of our thin places we'll get to in April is the garden. And I find, and let me just say this to kind of prep it as you leave. I'm not a gardener. I just, I have no interest. I, I did our garden in Scotland. I know those plants. And so we, we did our plants there. And, and we, had, we had a lovely set of flowers and such. I'm just not interested anymore because America is too, it, America tries to kill you. It's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winter. And so I'm just going, you know, let's let, it, let God have it. To me, a weed is a plant that grows where you didn't put it. A flower is a plant that grows where you did. There's no difference between them. So let's just embrace the daffodils. That doesn't work, you know, the daisies and the like. I'm not a gardener. But we've learned something in Alzheimer's research. Gardening seems to delay the onset. It also delays the onset of heart disease. Delays the, delays the onset of a lot of stuff. And in fact, it is now called, even though I don't really know why they can lump it this way, the second best um, exercise you can do is gardening. I think it's because there's a variety of movements involved, and they're slow. The first one, in case you're wondering, everybody always wanted walking. Walking is the first one. Some people say, well, I run. Ah, it's way, way, way down. Little thing you may not know. It, you burn as many calories walking a mile as you do running a mile. It just takes you longer to burn them. You're burning them at a slower, steady rate, and you get to keep your knees at the end. It's a bonus, you know. It's like, hey, here's a prize. I've been looking a lot at gardens in Scripture for this thin places thing. You know, you could preach this one for three months. There's so much there. And it, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that Jesus now defaults to a garden illustration. He started with a garden, didn't he? Garden of Eden. Now he brings a garden. If you notice the gardens in Revelation, he brings them back. The trees will be for their healing. Read ahead a little bit. Enjoy this. We'll talk next week. But for now, go away. Flee. <laughs>